Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Oh, Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign, this is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, two comedians, Joe DeRosa and making his Tully Show return, Kurt Brownoller. Together, Joe and Kurt host the Emotional Hangs podcast, focusing on the ins and outs of adult friendship. For this joint broadcast of Emotional Hangs and The Tully Show, Joe, Kurt, and I are also joined in studio by my own close personal adult friend, Craig Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Hey, welcome, welcome to the show. Welcome to all of the shows. Big swap cast today. That's right. The Tully Show and Emotional Hangs, which I don't know if you guys have typed your name in anywhere it wants to autocorrect to Emotional Hanks. No. Oh, I get emotional hands. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Whenever I try and just write an email about the show, it always comes out emotional hands. Mine sounds like a pretty decent alt-country act. <laughs> Yours sounds more like 80s synth pop. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, yeah. Kurt's Google is just used to him searching, what should I finger my pussy with? <laughs> <laughs> emotional hands. It always just pops right up. I'm just holding it for you on WordPress whenever you want to activate that account. <laughs> Uh, so, we're, and it's we, good to be in the studio here, and you have your friend here. Yes. Hi, Hi, Craig Williams. I'm Craig. Craig. Good to be here. Good to meet you guys. Yeah, you too, man. Handsome fellas. Thank you, There's going to be a whole hour of friendship. It's going to be great. Yeah. yeah, you guys are really into uh, to friendship. I, I wanted to ask you about that, and it, Kurt, I asked you about it a little bit when you were on my show a while back. You know by now that when you commit to a podcast, you have to really, really like the concept because every concept is cool for one or two or three episodes. What is it about adult friendship that you guys felt like you would be comfortable talking about over and over in depth over the long haul? I think what it was is the fact that like, as adults, you know, like once you're past 30, it's very rare to make a new friend and kind of have it stick. Like you have a bunch of people who are like, yeah, I like that person, but I'm not really going to make a commitment to being a friend with them, you know? Mm -hmm. And then Joe and I just had this kind of thing where we, we hadn't really hung out when we lived in New York and then we lived to move to LA. We just kind of made a, an actual decision to become friends, which kind of felt like a real, it was like a weird thing to do. So is it a conscious conversation where you, you have to make the commitment? Well, I'd say that uh, the the um, we, we didn't hang out a ton in New York, as Kurt said, but the few times we did, I, I feel like we had a nice bond. And it was one of those like, oh, I relate to this guy way more than I thought I would. And then when when I he was one of the first pe people I ran into at L.A., at, in L.A. at Little Dom's in Los Feliz. John Hamm eats there. Uh, <laughs> Ryan anyway, Gosling too Yeah Ryan Gosling But anyway I ran into him there Because somebody was like You gotta go to Little Dom's It's like the play You know So I saw him in uh, there And it was like Hey dude Like let's hang out now That we live near each other And don't know that many people And it was one of the few times I sincerely Meant it when I said it And followed through with it And same with Yeah and I Kurt I guess And I think the name of the, the show Came from uh, It was one night 
I don't, it was some. It was a festival or something. I think it was Riot, and I was very drunk. It was Riot Fest. Yeah. It was Riot Fest. I was very drunk, and um, apparently kept threatening to punch Joe, and then he would get scared, <laughs> and then I would like hug him and be like, "I'm never gonna punch you, buddy." And he, I'm like, "Why? Why do you think I'm gonna hurt you?" And he's like, "You're a big man. Like you're intimidating when you go to like fake punch me." Yeah, all three and, of you are way bigger than me. By the way. <laughs> I feel very. I but feel. You I feel cornered. Any of us as intimidating relative to me, perhaps. <laughs> Kurt, <laughs> Kurt drunk is a little really. I can see that. Very tall, rangy. Yeah, yeah. It's very like yeah. It's Does he very. Get, is he red faced? And... <laughs> it's a little red faced. It's very Scandinavian. I was also. Highly aware that he probably did not know what was happening at the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't know no, where no, no. his brain was. So I was like, I wasn't scared that he was going to actually hit me. I was scared that he was going to hit me by accident. Right. So I kept flinching. So anyway, sorry. And then eventually I said. You, 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 when you were leaving, you hugged me and you go, I love you, buddy, so much. We have emotional hangs. And then he just walked <laughs> out on that note. So then the next day I called him and. Uh, I had no memory of this. First thing he said, answering the phone, he picks it up. He goes, how worried do I need to be? And I was like, no, you were fine, dude. You were fine. It was funny. And uh, and I told him the story. And as soon as I got to that part, he goes, emotional hang. And he started laughing. He goes, that's so crazy. I think that's a podcast. <laughs> and then, like, six months later, we finally recorded one. Because we finally figured out, well, what would it be? Like, we just were like, that's a good title. For something, but at that point we weren't like, oh, it'll be about friendship, and th that's kind of when we realized, like, oh, we're like becoming friends, and like, there's like a vulnerability there that adults don't show one another, and we could explore that in a humorous way, but a sincere way, mm -hmm. uh, and that's where it started. I think a part of the challenge, and Craig and I have experienced this, is, I mean, it's so lame as to, to even talk about it this way, but like when you feel like I think I like I think I like this guy, right. who's going to make the leap? I if I'm not mistaken, so we met, uh, Craig and I did, at a mutual friend's birthday party dinner. We were seated across from each Korean other. Korean barbecue. That's right. And we share a deep passion for 80s hair metal, specifically glam metal. Sure. To the extent that each Obviously. of us were in um, bands that, yours was a more direct glam metal band. We both wore leather pants. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he wrote a book that about night, it to the party. And, yeah. <laughs> and as he's leaving, I think I talked to my she was my girlfriend at the time, my wife now about like, what if what if he goes and I don't see him again? I think I should get his contact info. But how the fuck do you do that? Like, I know we get along really, really well. I know we want to go get a beer. But how do you tell an adult man that you've just met? Hey, let's keep in touch. Yeah. It would actually be easier if I felt like we had a work contact, mm -hmm. you know, that we could use as a pretext for him, but we actually are in totally yeah. different fields. It's tough to do. Dan St. Germain told me once, like when he moved here, he moved here shortly after I did, and we went to Jackknife Records in Atwater Village. And he, the guy that owns and operates that place is, is a cool guy, and he, you know, he knows music, and you can have good conversations with him when you go in and stuff. And Dan told me after we left the store, he he told me this later. He goes, I almost went back and asked that guy if I could have his number to be friends. <laughs> and he goes, but it was too sad. I couldn't do it. And I was like, if you did that, I would never talk to you probably ever again. I was like, that is so psychotic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, but but at the same time, I get it. Like, it's yeah. hard. You're in a new town. It's like, how do you meet somebody? Like, 
How do you become friends with somebody? You know, like it's not often that you're sort of jammed into this birthday dinner scenario. Right. And then you also just happen to hit it off with the guy you're sitting across from. Mm-hmm. And you get to that level of, hey, we both like 80s hair metal. Yeah. So oh, you were right, in a band well, exactly. too? Did you, act, you wrote a book about 80s hair I metal? I I wrote a book called- What's it called? It's called Mom, Have You Seen My Leather Pants? Oh, wow. It's now 10 years old. It just turned 10 years old. Nice. Congratulations. Wow. Yeah, thanks. That's available I'd on like Amazon, to read I that. believe. It is still available on Amazon and, um, you know, secondhand bookstores probably. Have you, have you seen The uh, Fall of Western Civilization oh, Part God. 2? Yes. So is Dear your Lord, book yes. in the vein of that? It is in the vein of that. The, the okay. spin is that I was a very nerdy honors kid down in Orange County and decided that my ticket to being cool and fitting in was to grow my hair long and become a hair metal rock star. Uh-huh. And so we were really nerdy about how we approached this. It was me and my other 15-year-old honors student friends and it was like scientific method about you know how do we what's our hypothesis and how are we going to achieve this goal and within a year we're selling out shows at the roxy and the whiskey and the troubadour and this is like 1989 you know a whole different era of the sunset strip and what it is now um and so it was like you know rock star by night signing boobs and then having to show up for Geometry class in the in the morning, <laughs> like actually signing boobs. Yes, actually signing on, boobs at like the whiskey a go go. That's the first line of the book. Is that when I was sixteen, I autographed breasts. <laughs> oh, that's great! I want to read that book. Yeah. I do too. That sounds great. So I think we started talking about the book, and um, it probably had just come out. And I was was I with Trish, right? Yeah, you were. Yeah, okay, right. So I think that I, w- I went home and ordered it. Okay, great. So you guys have been buddies for ten years now. I guess so. Yeah, or nine. Adult years are weird. Yeah. You know, like yeah. like two years in high school feel about as long as ten, 10 years in ten adult. years in your thirties. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, right. Oh, and see, I we think... should do something special for that anniversary. Let's not make this. I weird. find the opposite. <laughs> I find the opposite of the years thing. Uh, I find that in relationships in adulthood, it's it's like dog years. It's 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 a much more concentrated experience. You know, like when you date in adulthood. I think once you hit your late 30s, you know, you could date somebody for six months and have a pretty good handle on, like, I know who this person is. I know if this will work out for a long time or not. You know what I mean? Whereas in in high school, you know, you, you could date somebody for six years and think, I need to marry this person and be completely wrong, you know? That's true. You certainly, well, you, you learn what little signals mean in a major way. You cut through the chaff, if that's a word, sure, pretty, sure. pretty quickly with when you meet anybody as an adult. Sure. Professionally, that's true. Time does fly, though. I do agree with you. Yeah. And we've both started families in the meantime. We've actually been on very similar trajectories, which I think um, a friend of mine made a really good observation one time that if every time you hang out with your friend you just talk about the old times, your friendship is essentially already dead. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's bold. bold. It's a bold statement, but I think maybe true. Maybe it's, it's somebody you see true. like you yeah. know, once a year. Like I, I come from a small town in New Jersey and if you go out to the bar the night before Thanksgiving you'll just see everybody from high school. And I love ha- that and night. You're, and you're happy I love that to night. see everybody but all you do is talk about high school. Those yeah. are not current friendships anymore, but um, yeah, Craig and I have been going through a lot of the same things. Yeah, we so keep it's, it fresh. It's about so much more than leather pants now. Yeah. Here's you my question to. though. But it always comes back to hair metal. How did, how did you broach us? Like how did you become friends? Like did you just like march right back into that birthday party and be like, I want to be your friend. My memory is that you gave me your business card. Oh, that was. And then I emailed me. you. Very coy. And so you did you feel the same way that like that first de- like, first night? You're like, I like this dude. I really like that guy. He knows more about hair metal than anybody I have ever <laughs> met in my entire life. I need to get in touch with him. And my 
now wife was like, yeah, go for it. But there is, yeah, I think maybe having the wives there yeah. softened it a little bit. Maybe. And then I think that our first date, mm-hmm. as it were, was that we, had, we brought the wives or the girlfriends. Did we? I think so. I don't remember. Oh, to make like, it less weird. So it's yeah. not just like one-on-one. We're now like dudes hanging out. Well, yeah. but they we were chaperones. Like, <laughs> you had but, lady but our, chaperones. Our, our ladies do get along with one another. It wasn't this weird thing of where we just dragged them along to, you know, stare at their phone and make, you know, <laughs> give each other the evil Oh, God, they're going to talk about Motley Crue. Well, we talked about Bang Tango for an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. The, uh, that's great, though, when that happens. I, I met a guy, uh, his name, well, we're friends now, but uh, this my friend Matt, who is one of the hosts of a podcast called Monster Party, which if you're in any way a horror sci-fi fan, you need to hear this podcast. It's tremendous. But, you know, he does it at his house with the three other hosts, and his house is ceiling, you know, of the attic to floor of the basement covered in, like, memorabilia of horror movies. And so, and it's like... I just, we just hit it off like immediately. Yeah. And I was just like, dude, we're going to be like friends, man. Like, you know, it's, it's nice when that happens when you, I think that's what it takes, right? Yeah. Yeah. When you have something so, because there's, it's one thing to have a common interest with somebody. It's another thing to have a mutual respect for that interest. You know what I mean? It's one thing to go, we both like this thing, but it's another thing to go, oh, we can both go real deep with this right, right now, right. you know? But you know what? I, what's interesting uh, is that I don't think you and I, other than music taste, have much in common with uh, our tastes. Like, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't give a shit about video games. I don't give a shit about horror movies. Right. And yet we hang, we can talk all the time. Yeah, from the outside. And whenever you talk about your, your shit. Your family, I don't give a you shit. You don't care about my family <laughs> at all. That's the Which worst, I keep right? saying, he like, talks about his you kid. should care about my family. <laughs> They're an extension of me. But the- <laughs> we had a couple small ones that were huge, though. Uh, and I remember the main one was you coming, you being in my old when I lived in Silver Lake, you being in that apartment the, when we first started doing this podcast. Well, first of all, our common interest was, I hate to say it, <laughs> al- was alcohol. I was like, I was like, when I met Kurt, That's I was like, true. oh, this guy, like, he likes to fucking hang, man. And I was like, okay, cool. So, like, there was that sort of like, we both fought in the war kind of nod to each other which yeah. is something that i think uh, if, if you've ever moved to are you both originally from the east coast mm-hmm. yes well that's the thing too he's from jersey yeah. i'm from philly like okay. it's like it feels very familiar because yeah. the people drink different out here of course there's alcoholics everywhere but i can remember going to some industry event ice cube was releasing an album and i got an invite to it oh. so there was like free chicken and waffles and there was free beer and i mean like when, if ice cube is offering free beer yeah. i'm drinking all the free beer yeah, i can yeah. possibly consume and my uh, other i've only made two friends in los angeles in 12 years my <laughs> other friend was like uh man you're really you're really putting them back and i was like what the fuck else would i be doing are you kidding me ice cube yeah. gave us free beer like, yeah. we, it's our it's our mission to drink as we much have as we to do this i would exactly. never i would never say that to you no i know you wouldn't <laughs> exactly, and that's yeah. That was a, an immediate bond between Kurt and I. The other thing was comedy, and was just respecting each other's comedy because we're very different. You are, so I like that. Um, but then also a big one was I think it was the first time ever we recorded an episode of Emotional Hangs, which this was a long time ago because in the beginning we just did them as sporadic episodes on our um, different podcast that we had mm-hmm. so we do a crossover app and then we would both release that on our podcast and then we wouldn't do another one for three months or something so anyway 
you, you were looking at my CDs and you yanked out that J Church album. Yeah, you're the only other person I know who likes J Church. Yeah, yeah. So J Church was a pretty um, uh, uh, seminal. Is that the right word? Band for me when I was in college. Only a few people I've ever known. In fact, I don't know if I've ever met anybody that knows J Church aside from my old friend Matt, who got me into J Church. Like, yeah, you, you don't meet a lot of J Church fans. No, you don't. I don't know J Church at all. So they're like a, like a pop punk band from San Francisco. I think they're from the Bay and the and Bay Area. Yeah, it's a sad story. The guy passed away, and but like I, I had all these weird run-ins with him in Austin, where I'd see a guy selling merch at a show at a, another band's table, and I'd be like. You look like the J Church guy, and he'd be like, "I am the J Church guy." Like, these are not like very. This is not a very recognizable band. No. So I ran into him a couple times, and so it was a band that was kind of close to my heart. And you pulled out and played excitedly one of the best J Church songs, uh, "Foreign Films," and I remember you being like, "It's so fucking sad." Listen to the lyrics, and I was like, "Man, I never thought of it that way. It is really fucking sad," you know, because they're they're a poppy band, but the lyrics are sad. Um, that was huge. Like, so we might not have this, like, common, like, hey, I also like to buy Sega Genesis games thing, but... <laughs> he really, he buys a lot. Yeah. I know he likes hip-hop cassettes as well. I'm a huge... Well, I like hip-hop everything, okay. but uh, I've got a lot. My hip-hop collection is pretty insane. But, like, that's my point, is, like, if you meet somebody, you can bond over the big thing, which is glam rock or, or hip-hop, or I also love this thing that you love... But then there are those little things where it's like, you know, oh, you also know this obscure band that nobody else has ever talked to you about ever and has always skipped over in your, when they looked at your collection. That's pretty big. You yeah. Know? That's but, almost as big as us liking the same genre of something is yeah. what I'm saying. And here's also, too, like when you guys, for when, you're, when your relationship, like, so you guys became friends and that, you know, you went out. What, when was the moment when you guys were like going to be like, Oh, I really want to be friends with him. Like, I'm going to make a commitment. Yeah, to him. where you're like, this when is did that be happen? A life longer. I, I felt like uh, it life, was life, a... life, life, a long time. I'm, I'm not sure I've made that commitment <laughs> mentally just yet. Yeah, I don't know. There's ever, there's never Good, been a be conscious honest. commitment ceremony or anything. Like that. That's why I was interested to hear that. Uh, actually, probably we we kind of already did celebrate ten years. They had a at nine at the nine year point. They SiriusXM had a hair metal festival that I had like a really a, yeah. They got wow. everybody to play, wow. and it Who was played? down in Orange County. It Who was, didn't play? It was rad. Yeah, give us, give <laughs> it us was a rundown, amazing. please. Uh, okay, so going from the headliners down, Vince Neil was ridiculously bad. We left. Uh, yeah. Brett Michaels I was played. worried about Vince Neil's health at that show. I, I saw him, not to sidetrack yeah, us at all, sure. but I saw him. I saw Motley Crue. Me and Bill Burr saw Motley Crue open up for Aerosmith. In Long Island years ago, mm-hmm. and Bill had befri- we had both befriended uh, Joe Perry's stepson, so we got to go backstage and meet Aerosmith, which was really cool. Yeah, I remember Joey Kramer. We met him, and he walked away. And as he was walking away, Burr pointed at his feet, and he goes, "Those are the feet that played Walk This Way." Like, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. Uh, but anyway, Motley Crue opened up, and they were all great except Vince Neil. Like Vince Neil was forgetting lyrics and like. He was all fat and shit. And well, yeah, and on that... the way home, I I was like, it didn't used to be like this. He was never great, but he used to be okay. And I pulled up. There's, a, I bought a bootleg at Rainbow Rockatorium in Brick, New Jersey, uh-huh. um, of the crew touring in 1990. I want to say in Kansas City. And I pulled up the video because I knew it would be on YouTube. And he was fucking awful. He was just. Oh, he's as, always he been was bad. just as bad. But like, yeah. um, sorry, it's a shame. 
I'll sing half the line. And you know, he came out in the first chorus of the first song. He's like, let me hear you. And it's like, no, dude, you do <laughs> it. How right. about you do a couple choruses before <laughs> we start helping you out? So yeah. they played, Brett Michaels played, Tesla played. But the thing is, we were, uh, Craig and I were more excited about the bands that were playing at like two o'clock in the afternoon. Like, sure. Enough's Enough. I was very excited they about They were great. About Vane. Yeah. <laughs> it was very important to me that we make it there in time which for Vane, which we did. Thank God. Um, we were on the side of the stage for Pretty Boy Floyd. Who are if you are really into this stuff, it's yeah. a super guilty pleasure. We're um, at it. You're out of my league at this point. We're now we're now in the back room of the army surplus <laughs> store and falling down. <laughs> where I'm like, we're not the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for us, this was like yeah. an incredibly sure, you and know, we, bonding experience. Yeah, and, and I think of uh, course Tully put it really well that these are our comic books. Yeah, and that we're able right. to dig into these things in a way that most human beings aren't able to. Right. Yeah, and no, we'd, that's we'd, a beautiful thing. Yeah, we'd go to the show and then we'd go grab a beer in the at the crap services, whatever you call it, at a concert, and we'd like see the singer of the band and be like, "Hey, man, great set." Kicks, kicks, yeah, it was, was fantastic. It was magic. <laughs> it was one of the kicks? cool. It was one of the coolest yeah. nights I've ever had, and it wouldn't have been as fun if I hadn't had a friend there who also appreciated yeah. how rad it was. No, it's pretty. It's pretty amazing when you you know my friend uh, James uh, Pinkstone who lives in Atlanta, who I spend you know some holiday, not 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 Christmas, but I'll spend. You know Thanksgiving with him and his wife sometimes, and and uh, but you know he's been my friend since high school, and I think the thing that keeps our friendship alive is and not just revisiting the past is because we only get to hang out twice a year or something. It's mutual interests that keep growing, mm-hmm. you know. And I and if he lived here and we hung out together every day, it would grow in a different way. The way you know I think our friendship grows, you know. But like. Us having these insane mutual interests between horror movies and bands that we both love and and certain rappers and being collectors and media files and things. You know, he's a guy that I could say, hey, man, this concert's happening. And, you know, we saw Fu Manchu one time when he was visiting at the, uh, uh, what's the West Hollywood venue, the cool rock venue? The Fonda? No. Troubadour. Troubadour. And, you know, it was like... He was like literally one of the like probably the only person in my life at the time that I could have thought of to be like, I can't believe this is happening while you're visiting me. Like, mm-hmm. Let's go. So mm-hmm. that's great, man, like that you guys got to experience that together. And it's really special when you know that that's the only person that can. Uh, Absolutely. Appreciate yeah. that. I would have yeah. been so much drunker by myself because I was just been wandering <laughs> around, being like, "There's L.A. Guns, there's Bang Tango," just nobody to talk to. I just would have. Yeah. Do, time... Is is Wasp a, a hair metal band? Sure, yeah, sure. I'd say they're, they're okay. You know, almost ground zero. They're ground zero. I mean, okay. I think Van Halen is ground zero, but uh, Wasp was right there. Right. I think what we really got into is this stuff that most people who were around for the Wasps Wasps of the world would say this is when the the whole genre curdled. And okay. became this awful like bastardization of a bastardization that's really like thinly disguised pop calling itself rock and roll. Like where, Poison? Yeah. I'm not a huge Poison fan, but sure. Yeah. yeah. I think where a lot of the purists got off is exactly where Craig and I got <laughs> Did- on. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Did Rat get in under the wire or is Rat considered a later? I think they're legit. I think they're totally legit. Yeah, they're credible. I think if you had an album out before 86, which is when Poison released okay. their debut, then you're... You're kind of old school in regards to this. There's an awesome horror movie starring Richard Mull of Night Court fame. Bull, yeah. Yeah, called The Dungeon Master. Oh. <laughs> Fucking great flick. So fun. So fun. Crazy 80s. It's so goofy. It's great. But Rad is in it. 
Really? One of the one of the fantasy realms that he sends his vict- the two victims who are trying to escape his dungeon to is a rat con- <laughs> concert. It's a rat Fantastic. concert? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I forget what happens. that He basically sends this couple. He just keeps sending them into these scenarios where the husband has to save the wife from peril. And I forget what happens at the rat concert, but that's like the that's the present day scenario. I'll tell you what happens. To. Rock and roll. Yeah, that's yeah. what happens. Yeah. She's gonna rock to death, man. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are animals. They bang heads. Yeah. Um, the eighties were really the last innocent time in the culture where something like a rock band could be seen as legitimately dangerous. They're well, they're not dangerous. Right? I f- can't remember why they're, but you you are right. Yeah, but they're the not movie, dangerous. They're they're not dangerous, not dangerous in the movie. It's just something happens at the concert. Right. They wanted to just get abandoned there for the. For the teeny boppers, but the know. connotation, sure. the connotation as a child of the '80s was that that met, that that music was evil. That like Satan, Satan was involved in some way. Probably, yeah. that's, that's right. Stuff yeah. there's backwards. If you listen to it backwards, all that stuff that happened yeah. in front in, in front of Congress. Like, can you imagine? Well, Isn't unfortunately, nowadays I could imagine it all over again in a way that I would not have been able to imagine it sure. for about a thirty-year period of time. But legitimate, serious adults got up and were like, "No, satanic messages need to need." And Congress is like, mm, "You." might have a point lady isn't that so <laughs> insane that is so insane and it was like for the guys doing it like that satan stuff was very funny it was like a goof absolutely and yeah. it's like look at this like set the senate is upset yeah that's so amazing i love I, that so much i used to have a bit and it never worked the way i wanted it to but i would be like this is how and if you ever think our country is intelligent like just remember this this is how stupid our country is there was a time when grown people actually thought Ozzy Osbourne was the devil that's right. like <laughs> the guy with the reality show the guy whose daughter does like the red carpet bullshit with Joan Rivers like they thought he was literally the devil it's so fucking embarrassing when yeah. you look back on all yeah. of it. Yeah, and that there was backwards messages in there where he was convincing people to commit suicide. Yeah. Right. And that a backward message could actually right. convince right. anybody. Like if like your it, subconscious works mm-hmm. so well right. that it can interpret backwards and messages. Who had, and who had tapped into it? Ozzy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. The yeah. smartest man in the world. <laughs> Right. Like, even if you right accept after he did a lot, snorted a line of ants, he came up with this subconscious yeah. programming well, that method. Was a, got a great idea. <laughs> even if you accept the premises that he was in league with Satan, that Satan was a real person you could be in league with, and that they had decided <laughs> to corrupt the youth of the world, <laughs> even if all those things were true, backwards messages got in and of themselves would yeah. be an insane way to try to pull it's that up. It's so up. nuts. It's so nuts. <laughs> but that whole time, that that I remember that's what made John Denver like cool again was because John Denver testified on behalf of the artists in front oh. of Congress. Like, really? One of the big testimonies were Denver and Zappa, which I thought was very cool because Zappa, with the stickering of the albums and, yeah. mm-hmm. and all that shit, and I thought that was cool because especially with Zapp, like Denver being like sort of a nerdy guy speaking out, I thought it was cool. And then I also thought it was cool that Zappa did it because he didn't, I don't think he was a fan of a lot of the music that was getting hit. You know, he thought a lot of it was like manufactured, but he still got up there and stuck up for them. So, right. If you yeah. don't have absolute free speech, then you don't have free yeah, speech. Yeah. It's, you know, so, but, uh, but anyway, did, have you guys, here's a question we always ask on our show Have you guys ever had a difference, uh, you know, a fight? Was there ever a point where you go, oh, this, this, this is real because we're having our first fight? I don't think we've ever had a first fight. No, I don't know that we, that we would. I that you would? You think that it's impossible? Just about. 
Whoa. I mean, I guess if there was some, you know, it would have to be like a wrong against one another's family or something like that. Yeah, but that. why the fuck would we ever do that? I, I mean, I would. We kind of keep it light. Just to be a dick, I would just. We kind of <laughs> keep it light. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, okay. we'll reframe the question. Yeah. Has there ever been a moment, maybe that you never mentioned to the other person? This is a, this is a segment that we call uh, I, "Air It Out." There's something I feel bad about that I could. Great. That this I could is a time That's to great. air it out. This is a time. There's yeah. no no judgments. You can say whatever you want. <clears throat> no, no, no. Bring something up. So, well, there's no judgment until the episode's over, and then we all have to live with it for the rest <laughs> of our lives. We sure. we recently had plans to go to a show at the Viper Room. Mm-hmm. What um, was the show? It was uh, Blackboard <laughs> Jungle annual reunion show is that a hair metal band they are okay and so this is an important show it's a That's very important show again right. you know judging from the hair nation festival and how significant that was to our relationship swinging thing was opening for them swing these are opening. Uh, the last generation of bands who showed up being like oh all i need to do is write 10 songs you know Dime, dye my hair and I will get yeah. and I will be famous on MTV six yeah. months from now. And this is exactly when the game of musical chairs ended. These were the last reigning bands on the strip. Right. Okay. Nirvana is coming over the mountain at this point. Nirvana has come over the mountain. Okay. Oh, it's already like early nineties when these guys came on the scene. Oh yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah. So totally it kept going for a while, Kurt. Okay. Totally invited me and I enthusiastically said yes. So enthusiastically that we even convinced our wives to come because my wife was a huge Blackboard Jungle fan, and I'm a swing. I, I don't. You really, you really found a lot of a lot. That's of what people. it takes. That's amazing. That's that what it takes. Blackboard Jungle. I've never even heard of this. Band. Well, but he and his wife grew up in Southern California, so okay. they were kind of big in the in the area. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> My wife, her, I think I asked her who her favorite music artists were when we met, and she said um, Frank Sinatra, <laughs> Bjork. <laughs> and uh, Aretha Franklin, <laughs> and she was like, "Well, if if Trish is going, I guess I'll go too." Right. <laughs> oh, shit. So there's capital. There's there's investment here. There's yeah. like there's the wives have committed relationship capital. You have to get a babysitter. A lot of things are happening, and I think about four p.m. Our babysitter texted us and said that she had got into a car accident, and that her whoever whoever was in the car with her broke her leg. And that they were in the emergency room and they weren't going to be able to make it. So we started frantically going through the Rolodex of babysitters. Nobody could do it. And I had to flake on the show. I couldn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't make it. And I feel, I feel terrible about that. I Did don't you like go it. with your wife, Mike? <clears throat> we had an awesome time. Oh, yeah. great. We, we really had fun. But, okay, I, wouldn't, I hadn't thought of that because I don't have any like, real lingering resentment over it. But I definitely judged you. Yeah. For we judged you for not. I understood why the two of you couldn't come anymore. But like your wife wanted to go, but obviously this is like your thing, your swinging thing, That's as right. it were. That's right. And uh, we didn't understand why you couldn't just be like, "Hey, hun, you got to stay home with the kids. I need to go to the show. It is a, a once per year reunion." You know, um, I don't and know why I, you didn't come, and I could have and should have done that. So I apologize. Yeah, you ought to. Oh, Hi, super yeah. fun. That's great. That's so great. I, I apologize. That's a really that, good air it out. For not yeah. That is a good air it out. Yeah. yeah. You don't need to apologize. It would have been more fun if you had sure. been there. But we and your yeah. wife would have been totally cool. Like, oh. I think she would have. You know, we had, uh, it was like a date night scenario. So I wasn't totally comfortable with making her put both kids to bed mm-hmm. and me going. And she would have been cool with it. I understand also why you stayed home. Yeah. Like, I think that's cool that you could have gone. I get what you're saying. I also get why you were you were like, yeah, maybe I don't want to press my luck. Like, there's a lot of disappointment in the air right now, and maybe yeah. it's pretty shitty if I'm like, all right, well, I guess you have fun. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I, I get. But that. But she would have been okay with it. 
ultimately. Even still, you probably gained way more points for like, you know. Did you? Like, you know. Do you feel like you got? I don't know if I gained more points necessarily. Do points? Do points work? I no. feel like in a in a in a male female relationship, we think points work. <laughs> right, that's true. And they do it. They have no points. There's no points. My because... wife has no points. I'm just like, give me points for that. She's like, there are no points. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Sure. And I'm like, come on. Yeah. I should get credit for this. Yeah. Sure. My wife, I just got major points from me one time, and it was when I decided to marry her. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> Childbirth. Childbirth was pretty. Okay. Yeah. Uh, shout out to my wife for delivering my child as well. But uh, I was. Are we uh, all? Then are we always in the negative yes. points because God, of childbirth? Yes. Fuck yes. Yeah. Are yeah, you yeah. kidding me? Yeah, she wanted that baby too. <laughs> she bought her ticket. Um, real quick, I don't want to change the subject, but I was in Las Vegas and I was at my friend's bachelor party, and my wife knew full well um, she's hung out and partied herself what we were up to there, and I missed my flight back, and she knew full well how that happened. And I mean, I was literally standing in a pool with a drink, being like, "Starting to cut it close now. Really ought to go to the airport now." And I missed it, and then. Uh, I was going to uh, – my phone died, and I ended up in, with a dying phone. And and all weekend long, we just kept going, as long as you have your wallet and your phone charger, nothing can go wrong. And I realized I'd lost my phone charger. And I'm in this – in, like, downtown old school Las Vegas, a, a casino that was having an issue with a septic system. So a room that literally smelled like oh my God. feces, oh. bottoming out from a weekend of – you can imagine what – and um, I was, and she's just like, I'm just going to get in the car and come get you. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. I'm just going to rent a car and I'll drive home. And this was like the end of the world. And I took a taxi to the airport to pick up my rental car. And as I, as my phone was dying, I was literally writing because I didn't know her phone number because who knows anybody's phone yeah. number. I was writing her phone number down on a piece of paper so I could call her from the road somewhere. And just before my phone died, she called me and said, you're on a plane in a half an hour. Get the fuck over to blah 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 terminal. And I and I got on the flight. And when I got home, the reason why she wanted me home so bad is because she had like prepared a meal and made like a menu that she'd printed out Ugh. and oh, everything. You did, oh. Jesus Christ! And um, I was just like, okay, we are fucking. I mean, I didn't say it that night, but I was like, this is this. This actually makes it really easy for me because you never really know when do you know you got yeah. married. I'm like, okay, we're getting married. Oh, this was before you were married. This is before we were engaged. That, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, maybe you can get credit or lose credit before you're married. Right. Once it's it's an exhibition game from there yeah. on out. Once you actually <laughs> exchange the vows. So you guys are in two different places in your lives, which is a challenge to sure. relationships. It is. It's a challenge to a friendship. But we, I mean, like, I'm happy that we have a podcast that always gets us together once a week at least. I agree, and I, I haven't felt any. Weird, you know. But also, in in a, some way, our lives are very similar. Like last night, I was up with a crying baby for two hours, and Joe was on a date with a woman who was like a child. <laughs> so it was very similar, really. I find, uh, you know, we we do see each other, uh, you know, usually once a week for the podcast. We we start uh, doing some live shows on the road for the podcast soon. Um, so that'll be other. You know, adventures. I know this. It'll be really interesting. Our first, uh, our first one is in in Vegas, but then after that, we're going to be doing a tour through Texas. Yeah, uh, Austin, uh, Austin, Houston, and Dallas. Yeah, uh, in November. But uh, 
that'll be interesting because we're going to be like driving from town to town. That will be the most time we've ever spent with just like just you and I and also like traveling and on tour where we're going to be hung over and kind of like, yeah, like it'll be about- interesting. We'll learn a lot about each other. We will. We will. And I'm not uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it and I'm not concerned at all because I know that you and I are similar in the sense of we're both pretty we're both fairly punctual. Mm-hmm. We're both pretty courteous. Like it's not I don't think there's any tension uh, that that will build, you know, because of that. But uh, but I don't know. It's weird. I feel like I still. I guess it's because of the show. But I feel like I still see you a good amount. But I also kind of like, you know, as I get older, I just turned forty. I kind of like having a close friend now that that has a family, so he can't go out every night. I need more friends that can't go out every night. Oh. <laughs> you, know? you need more. Da- you need more daytime friends. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just need. You know, it's like that's good for me. I'm. I'm a bachelor, and we have my favorite bars on planet Earth within walking distance of our houses or where or my apartment at his house where we live. It's like, yeah, it's good for me to have friends that have other shit to do because then that makes me go do other shit, you know? What uh, happens if you guys go out on the road and – because road trips – you know, a lot of a lot of friendships are damaged or destroyed. Yeah. You, you really like a person, but maybe not in a twenty four seven kind right. of way. You guys are now professional friends. Uh-huh. What happens if one of you guys falls out of friend love with the other? Are you, you kidding have... me? It would be like the best thing for yeah. the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because that would be fascinating. Yeah. We would talk about it, yeah. and we would like get mad at each other on air. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I thought. <laughs> It's almost a shame if that doesn't happen. <laughs> but where do you go from? But where? But where do you go from there when it's like, hey, it's a show about adult it's friendship. I, I still really like him. He's oh, completely over me. It becomes you, counseling week seven of that. You see if you can. I don't think that that would happen. But <laughs> yeah. like, you you see if you can work through it. That's the whole point of the show. Is it's not just we happen to be adults and we became friends. It's it's the exploration of a friendship at a certain age in the fashion that you did as it did it as a child so it's like when you're a kid you get blindly angry at a friend you know you you say to your friends as a kid never talk to me ever again i hate you uh i'm done with that guy you know that you have these extreme emotional swings as a friend but you always come back because you always come to your senses and go okay whereas adults never hit any extreme and just keep everything at this sort of moderate I get really fucking pissed when, uh, or annoyed, I should say, when, and uh, many of my grown-up friends, I only, I only have grown-up friends. I don't have any child friends. <laughs> That's probably for the best. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, with the amount that you like video games and stuff, I'm surprised you don't have, like, children friends. They're too young to play the games I like. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're all from I mean, the they, 80s. They, they, yeah, probably, yeah. they probably chat online while they play. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, they. Uh, but like a lot of my friends are very loose with the terms love and hate, and that annoys me. To me, that's childish. Oh boy, here comes old man Joe. But you know, I it's... hate it when you use the word love and hate. <laughs> well, because here's why. Here's why. Give this it is to one me. of my things. Give it. It's 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 like I'll hear somebody go, "Oh my god, I absolutely love them," and it's like. You you don't love them, right? You had a fun conversation with them once, and you're feeling elated from that conversation. And then, sure enough, two weeks later, oh, you know who's a prick? It's like, yeah, dumbass, you're the one that was like, I love them. Now I hate them. It's like, just fucking like, you <laughs> so know, this is so, actually a hatred for L.A. No, is no, really. this is, well, this is you have a problem country. with hyperbole. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. <laughs> But I think hyperbole affects friendship. I really do. In these in these years, when you're a kid, you don't know better. 
Mm-hmm. So you let yourself go to, to crazy extremes. And when you're a kid, you really do mean it. Like when you're a kid, it's yes. like, it's like, dude, I, I stood up to the bully by the creek for you last week <laughs> and got my fucking lip split open. And now you're not going to invite me to your sleepover where it's the comic book swap or whatever the fuck it is. You know what I mean? Like that shit cuts pretty goddamn deep because you go so much farther out of your way when you're a kid to put your yeah. vulnerability on the line. And I think that that's a really what the our podcast we try and focus on a lot is this idea of vulnerability. Is that like that's the way that you keep a friendship like for real is like you have to be vulnerable with each other. And it's, I think, really one of the most difficult things to do. It's interesting that you say that because uh, I heard you both refer to yourselves on your show as your um, your Catholics, right? You were raised in the Catholic. Yep. Yeah, I know. Obviously, yeah. I know who the fuck practices. You know. Exactly, Craig. You are a wasp. Yeah, I'm just. I'm. I'm nothing. Because. In the eyes of the Lord, I am nothing. <laughs> Going to hell. Because I do feel like in certain ways I am still fundamentally like an Irish Catholic kid to where of everybody is vulnerable but it's just how um how much do you let people see that vulnerability and how much do you are you yourself able to access your own vulnerability and like i said sure. I, I joked earlier but i was only half joking about craig and i keep our friendship light we're never going to have a conversation about the state of our friendship because i've pretty much never had that conversation with any friend i've ever had and i don't have it very often even with like girlfriends or with my yeah, wife yeah no and i think that that is that that catholic shit <clears throat> you know my mom uh, my mom got sick a year ago and i spent a lot of time with her in jersey and it wasn't until like after she passed that i realized like after i couldn't ask her any more questions how much i never fucking found out because it's just that catholic thing where you just simply don't talk about like your feelings or mm-hmm. how it's going. And it's insane because we kind of really got serious about this podcast and this idea of vulnerability after my mom died. And it, and it, I always think about it like if I had done been doing this with Joe where we are so open with each other before my mom died, I think I would have had a different like ending relationship with her because I would have asked all those like questions that – feel like they're impossible to ask but then once you ask them it's like oh it's no big deal it's just it's words just, it's right. just fucking words it's and they're sure. just talking about feelings it's you know? true emotional health is probably a good thing <laughs> it's fair, it's... but like that catholic thing is like it's huge it's and, affected me greatly with, with the podcast has affected me greatly with the way i deal with other people yeah you know, in that way you know i just split up with my manager after many years and many achievements and whatever but it just wasn't working anymore and um you know, I, I really think a lot has to do with our podcast. And I was able to just be like, look, like, I love you. I just don't know if this is working out anymore. You know yeah. And I mean? also for those listening who like a manager comedian relationship is not like a it's like a it's a relationship. It feels yeah. like a marriage almost, you know, because they're not just like somebody who gets you a job. They're like a person who cares about you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, so I think the podcast has affected both of us very positively. And when you were doing that, you came to me and we kind of like talked it through multiple times. Yes. Kurt is Kurt has become the guy in my life that I call like I'm like this happened. I need to talk to you. I'm not crazy, right? Like, am I reacting poorly to this? Like, well, you guys has... have that chemistry now. Yeah, yeah. Is Joe that for you? Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. The other day, I was uh, he had a, he called. <laughs> I was being a little bitch on email. You were being a little bitch. I kind of was. You were. Being I was stressing little, out. You're being a little short. And I was I just, being short. You weren't doing anything wrong, and I just thought, okay. 
But then he just oh, called me. He called me out of the blue just being like, hey, is everything okay? And it like pissed me off because I was like, what? Is it just I'm fucking short on him? Yeah, I'm stressed. You know? And then I thought about it for like two hours and then called him back and I was like, Actually, I'm uh, pretty depressed. And, uh, <laughs> and I didn't even realize it until I thought about it, and uh, you're right. <laughs> but, I mean, that was a great example of what we're talking about and how this podcast has helped and affected us. I think there was a time where both of us would have handled that with me being like, hey, dude, what the fuck, man? And don't, fu-, you know, and it wasn't that. It was me just being like, dude, it's all good. Like, you weren't inappropriate. I just... I get the feeling you might be having a bad day. So just tell me if you are. I just want to help you out if you are. That's all. Yeah. You know, like and I and, and the fact that the two of us he even said, Oh, well, you got annoyed, but you didn't you didn't show that. It was like it was a very healthy exchange. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's why I hate hyperbole because I think when you use it you don't get to a place with somebody that's where truthful. you can actually yeah, have real emotions with them and like real real feelings. And I think that's the problem with adult friendships. One one version of it is complete hyperbole bullshit, and the other version is everybody's at an arm's length. And it's like, well, I guess you know. I hope your spouse doesn't die, mm-hmm. and you don't <laughs> die alone. You're not going to have any friends. I know. And there's, I read it. There's a there's like a New York Times article that came out maybe like six months ago that said for men, for middle aged men, oh, yeah. not not having other uh, male friends was the like worse for you than smoking as far as uh, mortality rates go. Yeah. Because that's what happens. Like men just stop having friends. They have like a wife or something and then they just stop having friends and then like their wife dies or something like that and then they're just alone until they die. So and you that's should very smoking. Common. That's what you're saying, right? I just want to say like I should take smoking back up <laughs> because now that I've got this friend, yeah, uh-huh. I can probably have a few smokes. You can even you know? it out. It'll cancel each other out. <laughs> yeah, I should make friends who are smokers and smoke with them. <laughs> then it sounds like I can't lose. Well, it, so, uh, you know, I think you know, supporting proof of that theory or whatever, or some evidence at least, is you know, we talk about this all the time. Excuse me, the bulk of our audience, or at least the ones that speak to us. Or women. Um, you know, so you think two straight white guys doing a podcast about straight white guy issues, you don't think the biggest audience you pull in from that are women. And well, you're letting certain- them behind enemy lines. Well, yeah. And a little bit. And we're also not pandering. Like, it's not, you know, we're, we're honest and we act like dudes a lot of the time. But, like, they, the, the, I hear the most from women. You know, and I think it's because like, like guys just don't. I don't know. They don't show it. They don't. It's 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 odd to me. I don't yeah. know why. I don't know. I just never. There was never a time in my life where I thought I don't want to make new friends anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't want to try anymore. Yeah, you quite know? the contrary. I'm disappointed. I haven't made a new friend since. I don't think since I became friends with with Craig. And well, and, well, you're gonna die, dude. <laughs> Bring me my cigarettes. But I, but I also think when we get together, we talk about real shit. It's not like we just get together and talk about baseball or whatever. Usually starts with like sports, sure, and then it and moves then into like, family stuff. And then when we get kind of I have erectile kinda, dysfunction, kind of and... drunk, then we start talking about bang tango again. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, yeah, I think it's interesting that. Uh, in addition to the hair metal, we've also gone through a lot of the same things at the same time. So we got married yes. relatively at the same time, having kids. Your Gray's a year older than than Max, right? 
so I can always check in and say, you know, what are you what are you going through right now? What do I have to look forward to? And yeah. how, how do I get through this period? Joe asked me when I proposed doing this as a, a swap cast. He said, well, how tight like are you guys? And I said, Craig is on the very short list of people I would call if I got a DUI. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the only people that I will talk disparagingly about my wife to. <laughs> yeah, right. And if that's, that's good, and if that's not adult friendship, I don't yeah. know what is. Well, yeah, yeah, I remember you. You those were your two criteria, and I was yeah. like, dude, that's yeah. That how much closer could you be? Right, yeah. right. <laughs> like that's really close. Because I'll circle the wagons on on my wife all day, but you know, and I think you probably feel the same way. But sure. you have a couple of drinks, and you're like, man, you know what? Why do they do that? You yeah, know, I yeah, love my yeah. wife, but why do they do that yeah. one thing, you know? Sure. 100%. Why is she so angry that I'm hanging out with <laughs> hip-hop stars in Miami? Get over it. With unlimited beer. Yeah. <laughs> Get over it. He, he is, by the way, as a hip-hop fan. I don't know if you can talk about that, Craig. He's. I'm, I'm writing, uh, adapting Luther Campbell's uh, autobiography for, um, I guess. A movie? Uh, for a movie, yeah. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Is is I've never read it. I assume it's insane. It's insane. Yeah, it's completely insane. Yeah, it's like Goodfellas, but with hip hop. Is it, it mostly in Miami? Uh, mostly, yeah, Liberty right. City. Yeah, I was very sad when Fresh Kid Ice died. Like, yeah, sure. Because Two Live Crew certainly, you know, it's it's certainly a, a an archaic per, the, the perspective they take with their music is certainly archaic and outdated, and uh, you know, it's. Uh, if it's not, well, you you know, it's all sex stuff, um, and I I would say that a lot of the time it does get a bit misogynist, you know, a bit, just a bit, yeah, just yeah, a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I but, think you're missing the layers to the fuck shop. <laughs> yeah. That being said, it was sort of music of another time, and um, it was uh, I was I was bummed when he died because I felt like that that was a huge huge free speech thing. Yeah. I remember David Bowie. Defending those guys, mm-hmm. like, that was an insane free speech. Yeah, and they were provocateurs. Thing. Yeah, uh, what well, what, too, yeah. what Satanism was to Ozzy, sexism was to these guys. Yeah. You know, they they were trying to push the envelope. I remember my fr- my friend, uh, who's a huge metalhead, said to me once. He was like, "You know, man." He's like, he basically was just like, "When enough people say you're the devil, you just start saying, yeah, fuck you, I'm the devil.'" Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like the prior thing. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, they said Pryor's approach was not he steered into the stereotype. Like, mm-hmm. OK, you're going to treat me like this. Well, then I'm going to fucking act like it. Mm-hmm. And that's why he was so brilliant. You know, yeah. so I, I I also feel that they in some way fell into that category. Um, but I can't imagine what his autobiography is like. It's worth reading. Jesus for sure. Christ. I didn't even know he had one. Yeah. What's it called? The Book of Luke. Yes. That's great. <laughs> the The film is still to be. I want to call the film "Hey, We Want Some Pussy," but I'm not sure what we can get away with. Did you read uh, the David Lee Roth autobiography? No, I haven't read that one. It's pretty good. A lot of fun. He yeah. really yeah. minimizes. Well, of course, he minimizes the role that Eddie Van Halen played sure. in the success of Van <laughs> yeah. Halen, but he also minimizes the role that being in Van Halen has played in his professional that's life. A, that's amazing. Like, that wasn't the biggest thing. The only reason we know his name. No, that's it's going a, crazy. Crazy from the heat. That was, that's what everybody knows. The book's called Crazy from the Heat. Yeah. Sure it is. Yeah, and uh, it's got my favorite story of the road I've ever heard ever, okay. ever in it. He talks about doing a Van Halen show. And then after the show at the after party, meeting two strippers that had just gotten off of work and uh, they both want to fuck him. So he goes up to his room 
with these two strippers to have a three-way. And he go and he talks about how they had these these like massive wads of ones on them because they just got off work. And he said they threw them on the bed, and the bed was just a pile of money, and they all fucked on the pile of money. And I was like, "That's yeah, the best thing I've ever, yeah, <laughs> ever heard." That's what it's. That's why you get into a band in the eighties. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, I would have retired the next day. Right. Like, ah, we're done. Yeah. May that happen for the two of you when you take emotional hangs out on the road. For now, we have yeah. to. Uh, we have, Man, we have to go. I jerked off on a pile of quarters last night. <laughs> Kurt watched. <laughs> it still makes me uncomfortable talking about adult male friendship head on. Like I feel like at this point in the conversation, you don't feel any better about it. Like if, if we had this kind of conversation when I was a My kid with like other, yeah, me too. With, yeah. When I was like eleven or twelve, at the end, somebody would have been like, "You want to watch me jerk off?" <laughs> <laughs> well. I'll say this really quick. I don't have I any plans. Go. I'll say this really quick because I know we got to go. I don't think it all has to be expressed in the way that Kurt and I express it or these two people express it or whatever. And and I, I this is a takeaway that I got. I, watched, I remember watching a documentary about Death Row Records once and them talking about the relationship between Daz and Corrupt from the Dog Pound. And I don't think that those two guys sit around and talk vulnerably to one another a lot. But the way they described their relationship, I was like, that's so fucking cool that those guys are that close. Like, you know, so and I was like, and they probably express it in very different ways than I do. But that's cool. Those guys are like lifelong friends. Mm -hmm. So, like, I think people just it doesn't matter if as long as you feel it, it doesn't it doesn't have to be said Mm -hmm. in exact words. Yeah. You know, and And also just having thought about it for this hour, I I, I, I'm going to say. I bet you it'll affect the friendship. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah. Yeah. I choose to not uh, deal with that. Yeah, I see. He immediately looked out to paper. Well, well, and we're moving on. That's an interesting thought, Kurt, but we've got to wrap this up. He's not going to say that he loves me. I thought that's how this was going to end. That's definitely not going to happen. Uh, everybody check out the Emotional Hangs podcast, the Tully Show podcast, at Kurt Brownoler, at Joe DeRosa Comedy, at Tully Craig. What do you have, like a Facebook? I got a Facebook. <laughs> I, got a, I got a Twitter handle. I just don't use it at all. Don't worry about it. Well, cool, guys. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Thank you.